I love all the DC shirts today. I love you guys wearing all of our DC merchandise. Several of you wearing them today. Thank you for wearing those. Uh, today is DC Family Day, so we're going to be having a great time. I know we have a lot of people vacationing. So we, as a church, said, you know, we keep the month of July full of some fun things, rewarding those who, you know, sometimes we get jealous and everybody's posting all those pictures from the beach, right? And so you remember that Pastor Gene, we're going to buy you, the church is going to buy you some meal tonight. We're going to feed you good. We're going to have a little fun. Maybe you didn't go to the beach this weekend, but you did get to go out and hang out with us as a family. And we're going to have a good time today. You know, it's about family. And I want to talk to you about that thought. We are family. Come on now. How many know we are family? Turn to your neighbor and say, we family. Turn to your next neighbor and say, what's up, cuz? All right. We are family. We had a great week as we just come off of our VBS. So we know we had, we had over 50 kids who made decisions to follow Jesus this week and make them Lord alive. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, give it up for that. Uh, one, but, you know, I love all the children coming in. This is why we do it is for the children. We love investing in the next generation. But can I tell you what brings me just as much excitement is not always all these children and all the smiling faces, the kids. I love it that we have a hundred adults who came in and volunteered. Isn't it awesome? We had over a hundred volunteers who came in. And this is why we can produce and do the kind of ministry we did this week uh, at such a big event. We had a lot of people coming in and out of our doors. We had a lot of activities going every night. We were feeding volunteers. And when the volunteers were ministering to the children, we were cleaning up, getting ready for the next night. And just so much happening throughout those nights. Uh, the reason why we could pull that off is, number one, we have great leadership. We have great pastors and administrators in this church who did an awesome job of organization. But we had so many volunteers who came in and did it, and everybody just chipped in. And not one person was having to do, do a tremendous amount because everybody was chipping in and helping each other. And that's the way God has designed for the church to operate. We've seen it this week, and we see what happens when the church comes together in unity, positive things happen. Positive ministry happens. Heart for children happen. Heart for the lost happens. Heart for those who need shoes happen. We have a heart to reach people, and it's not just one person, but it's us as a family working together. This is the way God has designed the church to minister and to operate it's the picture of what God intended and designed us to grow in community together. The church is more than just a place of worship. It's a Christian community of, of brothers and sisters in Christ who come together and we grow together in Christian community. We fellowship one with another. We pray one for another. Sometimes we cry and we mourn together. Other times we we laugh and we rejoice together. We have a, all these things that happen in the Christian community. And this is where growth is happening. Acts 2, 42 and verse 43. I, I love this scripture because we see what Peter has just followed up after the day of Pentecost. The Spirit's being poured out. 
People are like, what's going on? The, the crowds are gathering because everybody's speaking in a holy language and they don't know what's happening. They think some of them are drunk. They're not really sure. And so Peter gets up. He's like, listen, no, they're not drunk. What you're seeing is what has been prophesied by the prophet Joe. And he talks about this, the spirit being poured out. And this is the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that when he got done, that moment, 3,000 people gave their heart to follow Jesus. Right at that moment. 3,000 so, so if you don't like big churches, then you would have had a problem with the first church because they had 3,000 added in one day, okay? And you'll see in Scripture everything from 3,000 people and 25,000 people and 5,000 people coming together, following Jesus, hearing his words, the people meeting just a few people in homes and reading and breaking bread together and everything in between. And so there's a place for you to fit in the kingdom and Christian community. There's a place for you to fit and to grow. But it says here, let's read it together. All the believers now, after Peter had preached that message and they gave their heart, 3,000 of them, it says, now what happened? All the believers now devoted themselves. They devoted. Everybody say that word, devoted. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. It wasn't just one or the other. We need balance, okay? We need balance. We need both teaching and fellowship and sharing in meals and in prayer. See, it becomes a, a balanced community, Christ community right here. It's a balanced Christ community where there's teaching going on, there's fellowship, there's prayer happening. And sometimes we're just sharing a meal together like we're going to do tonight. It's going to be a fun time. It's a deep sense. Look what, a deep sense of awe came over them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So we're talking about this word fellowship, community together. Everyone contributed. This is what was so awesome about the first church. They all started to say, what can I do? What can I do to help follow Jesus? What can I do to learn more about the kingdom? What Jesus taught the apostles. Now the apostles were teaching all these 3,000 who came in. And people who were being added to the church daily. We see in scriptures as daily. People were joining this Christ-following community, and the apostles are teaching them, and people are devoted to it, and they were devoted to fellowshipping together. Come on now. How many know sometimes we, we lose the art of fellowship? We can lose the art of Christian fellowship. If we're not careful, our phones and society have pushed us to a place where we no longer have to stay connected through conversation. Now everything is digital. And it's robbing us and keeping us from using the gifts of fellowship that God has for us. Technology is great and it allows us to do so much. But if we're not careful, it can also take away the God-given fellowship that God intended for all of us to grow in. Everyone has a place to contribute. Let me tell you this. At Destiny Church, everybody has a place to contribute. You belong here. You are welcome here. We, we want you here. This, this is your first Sunday, or you've been coming a long time. We want you to be a part of contributing to the family, the fellowship. There's a place for you here. So how do we walk this out? How do we live this out? How God designed us to grow for us in Christian fellowship and community. Number one, write this down. You just simply got to share your life. Come on now. It's the first thing we teach our preschoolers, how to share 
Why? Because they're going to have to know this going into school. When they get into kindergarten, Lisa, they got to know how to share. So we have a lot of, lot of gains. We have a lot of lessons teaching them how to share. Because it's an important part of the development of a child's brain, heart, and spirit that they have forgot to learn that the world isn't all about them. It's about helping other people. It's about helping other people grow. It's about helping other people achieve. And together, we achieve together. Together, we grow together. And it's not just for children. We never outgrow the need for community. And we got to continue to remind ourselves that it's about sharing sharing my testimony with others, sharing my blessing with others. Sometimes it's sharing my hurt with others. Sometimes it's sharing my tears with others. Sometimes it's sharing my prayers with others. Sometimes it's sharing my meals with others. Sometimes it's sharing a Bible study with others. Sometimes it's coming together and worshiping together. We share our life together. And we don't have to search very far to remember a time when we were all isolated. How many can remember that time a couple years ago when everything shut down and nobody could do about anything and we were shutting the schools down, works were shutting down, uh, all the, the restaurants were shutting down, many churches had to shut down, all these things, had, we were in a complete shutdown and we're all forced to be home and we're all forced Spend time with your family. And some of you are like, I don't like my family. I get it sometimes. Sometimes we like our church family better than we do our own family. I can get that. I understand that. But what I'm trying to get to today is this. We don't have to remember very far to a time when we were isolated. And it's in that time, a lot of people started going through a lot of problems because of isolation. It wasn't just the pandemic we had to worry about. Now we had people dealing with loneliness. We had people dealing with depression, anxiety, fear. People dealing with being shut in. I mean, it's all right for a few days, but how many know after a while that isolation wears on you, right? We've done it. We've seen the effects of that. And so let's look at community from a theological standpoint. Pastor, so what does the Bible say about us? We see the New Testament church. How about we just simply look at the Father and see how he taught us, okay? See how he formed us in his image and see how he dwells in community. If you don't know this, the Father dwells, God the Father dwells in community. Look, he always has. We can prove this in Scripture. Let me prove it to you. All right, so I want you to write these scriptures down. I'm going to give you some theological training today. You're going to prove today that the Father has always resided in community. Genesis 1. Let's start at verse 1 and verses 1 through 3, the very beginning of Scripture. In the beginning, in case there's no doubt, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was all over the surface of the deep. And who was there? And the Spirit of God. So now we see the beginning God was there. Now we see the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God spoke out verbally and said, let there be light, and there was light. And the, let me tell you this, that we see God the Father created the heavens and the earth, 
It says the Spirit of God was there hovering over the face of the earth as well. And then we see where the spoken word of God, and this becomes Jesus, and we'll prove it here in just a second. Jesus is the spoken word of God. And so we see all three evident right here in the first three in the beginning of Scripture. Now, God, the Spirit, the Word, all three are there. It's the beginning of all three present together. Now, look at the New Testament. John 1, verses 1 through 2 and verse 14. In the beginning. See, go back. It's referencing that same thing. In the beginning was the Word. And for those who may not know this, it tells you. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Oh, are you telling me the Bible was actually there? Well, look what it says. He was God in the beginning. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who became flesh and dwelt among us? That was Jesus. For God loved so loved the world that he gave his only son. He came here on the earth, dwelt among us, lived among us, taught us. Gave his life for us on the cross. Was resurrected on the third day. That was Jesus. So this is what it's referencing here. Jesus wasn't just born Mary, but he was always with the Father. And he left the heavens to come down voluntary to be here with us in the flesh. So we see the word was among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So you won't find anywhere in Scripture, you won't find the word Trinity used in Scripture, but Trinity is a word that theologians have used to help us describe the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we see that all three have a separate identity, but yet they function under one umbrella. They're not just one God, they're one in unity, but they are three separate people. God the Father sent his Son, and his Holy Spirit was there hovering. And Jesus said he's going to spend, send that whole, same Holy Spirit down to dwell with us. When Jesus left, the Holy Spirit comes and remains. And so now we see we're all three, and we can spend time looking throughout Scripture, where all three remain separate but work together as one. Why is that? Because even the Father knows the power of working together in community. He had his son working with him, and he had the Holy Spirit working with him. The three worked together as one. No wonder they're so powerful. No wonder they have worked so well together. Is it no, no, is it no shock to think that maybe why he wants us to work together? It's the way he created us. Look at verses 1 and 26 of Genesis. And then God said, let who? Let us. He didn't say, let me. He said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may be over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God said, let us, plural. Are you getting it? There was a tri-unity there. God was always been resting in formation in community. And he formed us, they formed us in the image of God. So he formed us in his image, meaning this, that we thrive, we were designed to operate in community together. This is where we become our strongest, is when we are unified together. 
This is where God is glorified the most is when we are unified together. This is where the power of God rests the most is when we are unified together. Destiny Church, it's important that we are unified together. Unified in worship, unified in word, yes, but also unified in fellowship. Unified having fun, unified in breaking bread together. Unified in praying one for another. This is the way God designed us. God created the heavens and the earth, and he goes, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, look at, look at the, st- oh, the stars, the moon and the sun. Oh, they're, they're good. Oh, they're, they're good. Look at the water. Look at the fish and all the animals. Oh, the sea. Oh, they're good. Look at the land. Look at the trees. Look at, look at all the animals I've created. Oh, that is good. Then he looked at Adam and he goes, wait, that's not good. Some of you say, well, pastor, what what, what did Adam do? Adam didn't do anything wrong. But he was like, wait, there's something missing. He goes, it's not good that man would be alone. That's what he said. And so he made him go to sleep and he created Eve. And out of there, they begin to form and, and produce children and populate the earth. Why? Because it's not good that man is alone. And when he said that, I believe it's, it's much more than just marriage. Sometimes we bring that scripture down and we bring it just to marriage. And yes, it does talk about marriage, but it's also deeper than marriage. It's not good for any of us to be alone. We were not created to live alone. We were not created to be alone. We were created to thrive in Christian community. We were created to, to excel in community together. This is the way God made us. Adam needed community. You need community. God has community and has always led it and he created us to need it. Galatians 3, 28. Look what it says here. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. And for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus we have all been made one in Christ Jesus. Uh, let, me, let me tell you this. This is pretty cool when we see this happening here. Historically, do you realize they tell us, scholars tell us, and historians tell us that this verse found in Galatians becomes the first public declaration for equality. You go back, you look to this, becomes the oldest document known to man where someone said there's neither black nor white, there's neither male or female, but we're all equal because Jesus Christ is the head of all of us. God is the father of all of us. We're all created equal. And so don't let the let people tell you, don't let a certain movement tell you that the, that the Bible is about hate and the Bible's not about equality. It was the first one to speak up and say we're all created equal under one umbrella. And that's the way God has designed it. God has always designed it. Only nobody's twisted and say we're not. We were all created equal. We're all created. Why? Because God is the head. Listen today, your background is important. Your race is important. Your gender is important. But what's most important? That we are made one in Jesus who makes us all one. That's what's most important. And that trumps anything about my race card. That trumps anything about my, my gender. It trumps anything else that we're all one. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're my brother, you're my sister. Come on now. 
We're made to, to work together, to fellowship together. This is where God designed us. We are family. Come on now. Come on. We, we are made to be family. We're made. This is where we thrive. The church should lead the way. Listen, the church should lead the way in working together. How can we expect the world to work together if the church can't even work together? And let me just give you a little side note here. It's not my notes. This won't cost you anything. I promise you. But how many know other churches are not our enemy? How many know that? There are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we clap when they sell. We celebrate when they have wins. And we cry when, when they don't. And we work together. We're not in competition with, with any other church in town. We're in competition against the enemy to make sure we pull as many people into the heavens with us. That we bring as many people out of darkness into God's light. That's what we're called to do. So we're called to lead the way. We're called to lead the way in racial reconciliation. We're called to lead the way in economic reconciliation and generational I love destiny because we have so many. Not only do we have racial diversity here, we have generational diversity here. We have economic diversity here. And it's a place where anybody can come and there's other people like them. And we have that broad range of people. Why? Because that's the way heaven's going to be. How about we get used to it here on earth? I don't want to raise a church just like Pastor Gene. I don't want people looking just like me. It'd be a good-looking church, but you know what? It wouldn't be the healthiest church. Come on now. I had to throw that in. You would be disappointed if I didn't. Some of you guys are laughing right now. Okay. But we, we need each other, right? It's what God has called us. And number two, write this down. Not only do you share your life, but you also show up and fill up. Remember this. Being a part of a church community is showing up and filling up. Look what it says now in Acts 2.42. The early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what you're getting this morning. I'm an apostle of the Lord. God has called me to teach. And we have other apostles and teachers and leaders in here who teach and they lead. We, we teach. We devote ourselves to the teaching and the, to the what? The fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. This is what we do. We must show up. It's important that we commit to, to studying the Word. It's important that you learn to study the Word on your own, not just on Sundays. But listen, that never replaces coming together. There's something powerful, but all of us coming together and say, Pastor Gene, we're just going to open this up today, and we're going to read the Word of the Lord. We're going to look at some truths together, and the Holy Spirit begins to move as we put our minds and we devote ourselves to the teachings of the apostles, what they wrote out for us, what the, Jesus taught them. It's important for the apostles. It's important for us. There's only room let me give you some information here in case you don't know this. In this church, there's only room for one superstar, and it's not me. There's only one person who blesses this church, and that's Jesus. There's only one person who's the leader of this church, and that's Jesus. Listen, I, I, I love it that God called me and allows me to lead some wonderful people. We have a great group of leaders and staff who lead this great church. But there's only room for one person who's the leader, and that's Jesus. 
And that's why we, we draw people to Jesus about Jesus. We're teaching about Jesus. We're teaching people how to worship Jesus, how to study about Jesus, how to follow Jesus, how to share Jesus, how to pray Jesus, how to be Jesus to others. If you're looking for the perfect church, come on now. Some of you know that. If you're looking for the perfect church and you find it, do me a favor. Don't go inside because you'll ruin it for everybody. Pastor, the church is just full of hypocrites. You know what? You're right. I'm not going to disagree. So, the church is full of hypocrites. How about you come on down and join us? We'll make room for one more and you can be a part. There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect pastors. There's only one perfect God. There's only one who lived the perfect life. And that's where we continue to point people to. We come in under that umbrella as we talked about his authority and we surrender to his authority and we work together. Jesus unifies us. When we can't agree on certain things, certain topics, maybe certain beliefs, maybe even certain things we want to do live, a lot of times we're raised differently. We have different values. But listen, what unifies us is what God's word says. What unifies us is when we say, Jesus, when you are lifted up, you will draw all men unto you. Jesus unifies us. It's what brings us together. So when I quit worrying about the speck in my brother's eye, and I quit worrying about the log in my eye. And I started just worrying about Jesus. Let's worship Jesus together. Let's lift up Jesus together. Let's share Jesus together. Let's pray Jesus together. Let's study Jesus together. Let's be Jesus together. When we do that, it brings us all back under to the one place under the authority of Jesus, and now we're united in spirit, and we allow Jesus now to show up, show out, and do his thing. And how many know when Jesus was in the midst and working, it's so powerful. Jesus is what unifies us. Only he is lifted up. God has designed us to come together. God has designed us. This is the way the early church came together. They devoted themselves to the teachings. They went to the temple and they worshiped Jesus. They went to each other's homes and they worshiped Jesus. They went to the temple and they shared meals. And they went to homes and they shared meals. They prayed one for another. They baptized each other. They ministered to each other. They took care of the needs of each other. He's always designed us. Listen, there's a place for you to fit in this church. There's a church for you to fit into. And you belong. Hebrews 10, 25. He says, remember he reminded us, not, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. It was the approaching of Jesus. He says the closer he gets to his return, the more we should be meeting together, the more we should be encouraging each other. Today, look, look, let's be honest. We, we had to shut down, and when we opened the doors back up, 30% across America 
and even other countries, we've seen this, 30% of pre-COVID numbers started coming back. A lot of people scared, didn't know when it was safe to come back. Some stayed home because they needed to medically. Some stayed home because they just didn't know. And then over time, it gets easy to miss, right? And can I be really honest with you? Do you guys want me to be really honest and transparent with you? Can I tell you, those first couple of Sundays, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed setting my alarm, getting up and sitting in my PJs in my recliner and watching the pastor on TV and the worship team with my family. I was like, I can get used to this. This is good. This is great. This is awesome. I see. I see why people liked it. But after about three or four weeks, my spirit began to say, you know what? This doesn't feel right. I'm missing handshakes. I'm missing hugs. I'm missing us worshiping in the same room together. I'm missing praying one for another. I'm missing seeing smiling faces. I'm missing talking about how your week went. I'm missing us praying together when things are happening in your life. I'm missing sharing the word to a live audience. Let me tell you, it's not easy preaching to an empty room. You only got your son and your your daughter back in front of the cameras. Like I've heard dad preach all week. Now we got to come in. I don't get very many amens from my own kids. It's not easy. So what I'm trying to tell you is I get it. It's easy. It was easy to fall out. It was easy to get out of the habit. And by the time things started clearing back up, by the time many people just simply have gotten out of the habit. But let me tell you, this is not the first time. Look right here. We're seated in the New Testament church, the early church. They had the same problem. He was addressing the same problem. Hey, don't give up. Meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. See, he wouldn't have addressed it as a habit if it hadn't became a problem. This is nothing new. And so turn to your neighbor and say, you picked a really good Sunday to be in church. Because if you're watching online, I'm really preaching to you today. I want you to get back into the house. If you have a home church, go there. If this is your home church, get here. We miss you. We need each other. Get connected to a home church. It's because of the way God has designed us. But our habits, we get out of the habits. Let me tell you, our habits is what shapes our life. Our habits, you show me your habits and I'll show you your life. Come on now. Pastor Gene is sitting here on my toes. I know he is. Show me your eating habits and I'll show you your health. Show me your exercise habits and I'll show you your strength. Your endurance. Show me your study habits and I'll show you how sharp you are and how much you know. The, I mean, we can look back and look all of our life. It's about habits. And so when we continue to grab a habit of missing fellowship, we're cheating ourselves or cheating our families. It's a habit. So I get it. But you got to listen, just because it's become a habit doesn't mean you stay there. God has given you the power to break those bad habits. God has given you the power to start new habits. Sometimes you just got to break out. Listen, I'm, I'm running to people all the time. We have new people coming into destiny all the time. Say, Pastor, it just became a habit. Listen, I tell you, you'll, you'll receive no condemnation, no guilt. Just come on back. We've all been there. We've all had to come back on our own timeline. We've all been there at times when we, we've fallen away. We just got out of the habit. Nothing bad was happening, but we just simply got out of the habit. 
Listen, no one's here to, to pass guilt. We're here to cheer each other on. And we're going to hug your neck. We're going to smile. We're going to cheer for each other. Come on back. Break the habit. You must break out of bad habits and recommit yourself to church as a priority. Listen, we, we got to set the standard for our children or our children will never come back to church. If you only come to church a couple of times a year, your children will never come to church. We are raising up a generation who is losing the value of coming together, assembling together, grabbing together, and worshiping together. It's what God is wanting us to do. And so we got to make sure, as for me and my house, as I talked about a few weeks ago, I can't control what they do. I can't control what my neighbors and friends do. I can't control what my mom and dad do. But as for me, and if I have a household, the people in my house, we're going to be in church. We're going to serve the Lord. Someone say, all right, pastor, I'm recommitting myself today. Come on. If that's you, say, I'm ready to recommit myself to the house of the Lord with new dedication. If that's you, say amen. God designed us to live in, thrive in, grow in, serve in, be blessed in Christian community. We just read it earlier, Acts 2.43. Look at that verse again. And when this happens, when they meet together, commit to, to the apostles' teaching, when they pray together, when they fellowship together, and they break bread together, what happens? A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. See, this became a place where people were living in awe. They, I mean, they were just in awe. I mean, can you imagine 3,000 people getting saved in one time by a person who never preached a message in his life? Wow. Wow. Can you, can you imagine? Tristan, I, I say, come on up, man. You're preaching today. Oh, but Pastor Gene, I never preached for my life. He preaches the 3,000 people come down and get saved at one time. Can you imagine the awe? Wow. We would all be like, whoa, that was, God, that was awesome. As they're breaking bread together, fellowshipping together, they were in awe. They were in awe. Listen, you, you get in awe. Because when you're in awe, when they're all together, God shows up and he shows out. And people get in awe. See, listen, I want to let you in on a secret. I stand in awe all the time. I stand in awe of God does. Even in our midst, I stand in awe when I see marriages healed. I stand in awe when I see people overcoming addiction. I, I stand in awe when I see love overcoming hate. I stand in awe when I see peace overcoming fear. I stand in awe when I see generosity overcoming greed. I stand in awe when I see people finding their purpose. I, I stand in awe when I see people finding their joy. I stand in awe when I see people finding their healing. I stand in awe when I see people finding redemption. I, see, I stand in awe when I see people finding salvation. I'm telling you, I stand in awe all the time. He is designed. We should be in awe that God is moving. We should be in awe because we're fellowshipping together. We're worshiping together. We're studying together. We're praying together. We're breaking bread together. Should leave us in awe. It's the place where miracles can happen. It's just not a revival service. It's just not a one-time, I feel Holy Ghost goosebumps. I felt something. It's much deeper than that. It's a place of community that God designed us. When you miss out on community, you miss out on all the all stuff. 
Listen, when I see you being healed, it gives joy. When I see you finding your purpose, it brings awe. When I see your marriage coming back together, it leaves me in awe. We need need that awe stuff in our life. If you don't know this, we need each other. We need to worship together. We need to hear the word together. We need to fellowship together. We need to pray together. We need to cry together. We need, come on, we need to laugh together. And tonight, we're going to play together. We're going to have fun. It's important. I can't wait to see tonight at 6. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your the way you've designed us, God. We need family. Not just our physical family, but our spiritual family. Father, I thank you that you bring family into the heart of every believer. People who never had a close family are now sometimes finding family for the first time. Those who have never had siblings are finding they have Christian brothers and sisters. Those who are not close to family are now getting close to family for the first time. Look at me. Can can I be honest with you? My my closest family is a couple hours away. I love them dearly, very close to my family. But can I tell you, I'm I'm, I'm closer, as close as the many views I am to them. Because we become family. You are my family. Some of you, uh, give me a hug. Carol, she gives me a hug. And I, I just think that's my mom hugging me every, every Sunday. Many of you here, we, we become like family. We need each other. We need each other. Let's commit to doing church together as a family. Let's commit. Listen, you're here, and so I, I applaud you. We have a lot of people traveling this weekend. They're out of town. They're going to be watching online. If you're coming back on a regular basis, this message was just to encourage you. But if you're not, we want to encourage you. Get back to family. We miss you. If you don't live here, find a church family where you live. And get connected because we all need family. Let's stand on our feet today. Fight isolation. Fight the spirit of isolation. Don't just come in and leave as fast as you can. Find someone. It doesn't have to be the whole church, but try to find someone to connect with. Listen, next month we'll be here just talking about doing more meals together. Opportunities to do church together outside of Sunday morning. You'll hear classes and small groups where you can be involved in. Times when we come together and share meals together. That's an important part of being a part of a church family. Get involved. How many of you want to raise your hand this morning? Say, Pastor, more than ever, I want to be committed to the church family. I want to be committed to being involved in a church family. 